0: Like the Buffalo Bills.
1: Welcome back to another English Encore podcast episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. I am joined by now a recurring guest on the English Encore podcast. Last time we talked to him, he was part of the Cornell women's basketball staff. He is now part of Louisville Cardinals basketball on the women's side. Please welcome back to the podcast, Joe Ritigliano. Joe, how are we doing?
0: Good, Nick. I'm good. Happy to be here.
1: Appreciate you taking some time to come on. So the last time we talked, which I was looking at earlier, it's not quite a year. The last time you came on was last June. So it's been a minute, though. You know, we were talking about the troubles of, you know, working with COVID, recruiting players. All those sorts of things um, when you were with Cornell and now not even a year later, you were just part of an incredible elite eight run with the Louisville Cardinals women's basketball team. So let's just start there and talk about what made you make the jump, you know, from Louis or excuse me, from Cornell as a women's basketball assistant to now like your current role with Louisville as the assistant video coordinator. Kind of talk about how that all came about and then your ultimate decision to join the cards.
0: Yeah. So in a normal year to kind of give you an idea of what the landscape of jobs uh, look like in women's basketball um, is like a lot of the movement's going to happen in April, May. And then the trickle down effect, you know, some June, July, you know, usually everybody has their staff together more or less by the time the coaching staff heads out for summer recruiting in July. Um, so for me, it had gotten to be like mid, like almost like, I guess, late July, early August and our, you know, my boss, Dana, uh, she kind of brought it to me. She's like, I need you to kind of decide on whether or not you're coming back because the position at Cornell is full, like it's a full-time assistant. Uh, capacity but it's unpaid and the third assistant in the the ivy league is is like that on men's and women's uh, basketball so um basically like because of the the oddness of covid and everything that became something where it allowed me to just stay with cornell for the majority of the summer and then by the time summer was kind of coming to a close she was like i need you to decide for a lot of like administrative reasons um but mostly, like, if I decided to stick around longer, you know, obviously no crystal ball, then I would likely, if I, I decided to make a move to get paid somewhere, an assistant or some sort of role, um, she wouldn't have been able to hire somebody else. So it just got to be kind of late. We, we had a great chat about it. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to kind of gamble on this and, you know, see what happens. Um, And so, and I had had some, some people reach out uh, about potentially filling a role. And then, you know, with students coming back to campus, a lot of people really didn't have the opportunity to hire because there was a concern that, you know, you might end up shutting down again. So um, it, it ended up being like more of a break than I was anticipating. Uh, And, you know, Dana helped me out. She'd make phone calls and just like, you know, certain things weren't falling through. And I got on the phone phone with Scott Teeter the women's lacrosse coach at Louisville. And I just asked him to kind of uh, connect me with the staff in in any way that he could. And uh, my guy, Sam Purcell, uh, you know, gave me a call and we started to talk and, you know, they mentioned that they had a, uh, you know, the video coordinator assistant position was open. And uh, again, it was unpaid, but it'd be an opportunity to come down and and work really hard and um, get an opportunity to be with one of the better programs in the country. So um, at that time, like I was like, Absolutely. Let me jump on that. So, um, and it, it was really nice because it allowed me to work hand in hand with the best people in the business. Um, Lamont Russell, the video coordinator is, uh, really just like so stellar at what he does, um, juggling all the different things on his plate. Uh, so he helped, you know, with, with, with that, I was able to help take some things off his plate, but also, you know, he's helped, helping me, you know, kind of find my own in, in in each role that there was, you know, available on staff and, I mean, there's I mean, every, all the you know, there's so many people on the staff at Louisville, uh, you know, betw- between Coach Walls and Coach Norman and Coach JP uh, AJ and Coach B, Kate, and Macy, and the managers like, there's, it's such an operation that like, I had never been a part of something like that before, so it was great to see it up close and personal and understand here's how things are able to work and here's how we can tag team and, and accomplish all of our goals. So, um, you know, my role was mostly related to film uh, as far as uh, breaking down film for the assistants, whether it was, you know, our upcoming opponents, you know, our past games and recruits stuff like that. So uh, definitely a unique experience to have a hands-on role and, you know, top five program. We were ranked number one for three weeks, you know, Having that experience was awesome because you know, hopefully, you know when I when I get back to that type of situation one day, I'll be able to, you know, pull from this experience as, as well as my future experiences as well.
1: Yeah, and was that at all um, a tough transition at all for you, Joe? Considering you were just you know on the bench coaching with Cornell, and then kind of transitioning into like you just mentioned a different video role which I know you had talked about you had to do obviously video study as a coach at Cornell so did any of you know the habits that you maybe had at Cornell able to help you make that transition easier how is the um, transition just in that process in general
0: yeah so I think one of the biggest pieces was when I was at Cornell you know each assistant breaks down their own film and creates their own scouting report and all that jazz when I was so basically I was able to pull from that experience very easily and it's also something I did at St. Francis um, you know in terms of breaking down film but it really allowed me to just hone in on the video stuff so that I could be another resource um, you know when we got to the NCAA tournament and the ACC tournament you know you're kind of turning over film really quickly uh, for, the st- for the staff for the players everybody and I felt like It was great to already, you know, have that background in film so that I'd be able to see things a little differently and a little easier. And, you know, having been an assistant and having to already have had to look for certain things, like it makes it a lot easier for, you know, the assistant coaches to trust me and what I was bringing to the table. So, you know, towards the, you know, January, February, there was a lot more, um, I guess, like uh, freedom for me to just be, you know, helpful in different ways because the assistants knew, I knew what I was doing and I, I, you know, you get to know each assistant and what they like. Uh, and that, that was definitely something that allowed me to be useful. Um, because the the whole, whole thing for me, especially early on in your career is you want to find ways to add value wherever you go and be forward thinking and, find ways that you can not necessarily, like, you don't want to rock the boat, but find ways that you can support people. The staff allowed me to help them in in a lot of ways. So it was a great experience being able to, to be, you know, bring something to the table and, and learn so much in, in, at the same time.
1: Yeah. And kind of segueing off that, you know, breaking down so many films, like you said, in a short amount of time between tournament play and then, you know, the NCAA AA tournament compared to, you know, you're just your conference tournament. Um, let's just talk about your guys' run in general. I mean, you make an insane run to the Elite. I know you guys came up a little bit short against Stanford, which, you know, they end up going on and winning the whole thing. But, I mean, you beat Marist. You have an awesome comeback versus Northwestern. You know, I messaged you after the game, an incredible run. Um, then you beat Oregon and then you go on to play Stanford, the women's tournament. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth in a second, just being how great it was, but just talk about your general, you know, experience at the tournament and maybe even give, you know, the listeners a little bit of insight, maybe what the day-to-day was because of, you know, COVID protocols and things of that nature.
0: Yeah. So basically, you know, just kind of give you a little bit of a chronology from where we were at you know, on selection Monday at seven o'clock, you know, starting to call the names and um, we get, we hear our name called and Marist and you see in our quad, we've got Northwestern and, and, uh, and central Florida. And so really like what starts to happen is. I, I, <laughs> it's going to sound a little bland, but you know, we have to download the games from the internet in order to, you know, the database where all the film goes, we've got to download the games and then we've got to break them down. Now we're fortunate that you know we do we you know we had to do this all year we're prepped we know what we're doing but for like I guess to you know give you an idea we're, we're downloading three four or five games that take sometimes up to an hour depending on the amount of time uh, the internet connection the space on the computer like it's it's a process sometimes but you know you're downloading three four five games just for Marist and then you're downloading, you know, whatever games, you know, Coach Purcell had the Northwestern scout, whatever games he needs for Northwestern. And Coach Norman had the Central Florida scout. So you're prepping, getting everybody the games that they need. And then after that, you're also, and this is still in Louisville, you're also breaking down games. You're, you know, cutting up the film so that everybody has what they need. Then we get to the bubble and a lot of what, because, so selection Monday happens. And then on Wednesday, we leave for the bubble. And that gave us all of Tuesday to basically get everything we needed for the first two rounds done. So by the time we get to the bubble on Wednesday, like we were sitting pretty and we had what we needed done for the most part. And then there were still things that we were going to have to accomplish, but like the heavy lifting up front was, was completed. So once we were out of quarantine, basically the schedule, the way that it looked was, You know, you'd have breakfast in the morning, morning in the meeting space, and then you and everybody socially distanced. Depending on the size of the table, you get two or one person at each table, that type of thing. And then, and then it depends on when your practice is, right? So, if your practice is three o'clock, you probably COVID test around like one or one thirty. So basically, you, you from where we were staying at the Hilton we'd walk from the Hilton to the, to the convention center. We get tested and then we just go off, go up on and head to practice. Um, If you practiced early, you might have COVID testing after, when you eventually got the weight room in there, like that, you know, kind of throws a a different um, variable in. And I know, you know, Kate and everybody did a heck of a job making sure that we got, you know, I think that the program got everything that they needed. Um, And so, when you know you have to go everywhere with everybody pretty much, so I know we're we're in quarantine, we're supposed to be in our our own rooms, but like there's not that much time where you're not doing team activities that that are you know sanctioned that you're supposed to be at so when you're not doing team activities, you have film to watch, you have you know, things to accomplish. What does this assistant need? What is, you know, what does everybody? So, you know, who knows, like Yoshi, our trainer or Katie, our, you know, our um, strength and conditioning coach, like maybe they need something, you know what I mean? Like our, our nutritionist, Matt Frakes, he traveled with us and, you know, maybe we needed to help make a list or, you know, for the grocery store, you're carrying boxes somewhere. Like there's always something to be done. So, when we first, when we beat Marist after the Marist game, like it all kind of like sped up really quick. So we're prepping to put Northwestern together on, you know, 40 ish hours notice. And then at the same time, I'm prepping for Oregon. I'm prepping for, for Georgia just because they both won their first round games. So I've kind of done all of the, you know, next games prep already. So they have that. And then I'm preparing for the round after, because we prepare for success. We're not packing our bags until, You know, we get home after we definitely lost. We're not, we don't do any of that. We're not going to not prepare for, you know, when we played Stanford, you know, I was cutting South Carolina before the Stanford game, like as soon as the South Carolina game was over. So, and I also cut Texas, but, you know, Texas ended up losing. So, you know, all of that goes into play. So you're all, there's constantly something else for you to be doing. And that's why, like, and I, I mentioned earlier about being forward thinking, that's something that's so important is to just already know you, you know, what other things you could potentially have on your plate so that when they come up, you're ready to rock. So, you know, it was, this is what we sign up for. This is, this is why I do this. So it was so much fun to just be ready to go. And, you know, I think our, our, uh, our SWA, Amy Calabrese, um, she posted a picture of uh, Coach Purcell Lamont and I sitting in the tunnel after we beat Oregon prepping for Stanford. And, like it was, and she's like, Oh, not 20 minutes, a- 20 minutes afterwards. I mean, that was, that was real. We're sitting there all of a sudden, you know, we know, obviously, you know, we expect, you know, we expect that we prepare for success, but like, there's still more to be done. Um, And so, you know, you're sitting there and it's a grind, but it, you know, that's kind of the, the way that it works. And, you know, there was some fun in there. We got to do a riverboat tour, the NCAA, a us some time to go to the Alamo, which was cool. So, you know we definitely had fun but you you know you want to be on top of your game so that you know when something comes up you go, right, coach is already done you know what I mean so that that was kind of the big thing for for us you know as support staff like that's our goal.
1: Yeah and you know the women's tournament in general this year was I think probably one of the best in the net last like probably five ten years. I mean there was so many close games that came all the way down the end they had upsets in there um personally I thought overall I thought the women's tournament was better than the men's tournament I mean I think a big part of that was a lot of the teams that people thought were going to go far in the men's whether that was you know Texas or Oklahoma State or whoever it may be ended up losing early and then the Kentuckys and Dukes of the world were in it but I just thought the women's game put on a better product. And I know the scores might not be as high, but I thought from an entertainment perspective, the games were better. I mean, you look at the final, the Stanford, Arizona, 54, uh, 53, Stanford, South Carolina, 66, 65, um, Arizona upsetting UConn, 69, 59. Your guys come back, win first Northwestern. Um, UConn over Baylor with a little bit of a controversial ending there. Like, just games left and right that like caught your attention. I watched more probably women's basketball this year than I have in any other year. And I think I'm going to watch more and more now just because of this past tournament. So what were your thoughts on just the overall play in the women's tournament? And then also obviously a bittersweet ending for you guys losing um, to Stanford in the elite eight. Is there any, you know, always got to ask the question when you know Stanford goes on to win it all, is there any, you know, a little bit, hurt a little bit less knowing you ended up losing to the eventual national champions? No,
0: no, <laughs> no I don't. I, I, you know, it's funny. Somebody asked me about that. And I, I was like, I just don't subscribe to that. I think that like, if anything, it makes you think it could have been you. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I no, not one bit. No, there's no solace in, in not winning for me. Um You know, like, it happens like I'm, you know, I'm over it. it. It hurts for, you know, for me, like one of the hardest things is like seeing how hard everybody works and, you know, seeing all the different things that go into this operation and, and coach has been there for 14 years and been to three final fours and, you know, like b- winning a national championship is, is there, you know, and um, you know, I think that's kind of the, the hard part is watch like wanting to win for them as much. Like I've been there for a cup of coffee. Like, let's be realistic. I was so fortunate to be a part of the Louisville women's basketball program, but also like I wanted, I wanted to win for, for Dana, for coach, for the staff, like that they put in so many hours trying to, you know, make the, the final four again and win a national championship. And, and so that's for me, like that's, something where I, I want to be a part of that type of atmosphere all the time. And so that's what was so special to me about the run, you know, you know, yeah, we lost in the elite eight, but um, you know, that's, yeah, that's the part that hurts the most, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, so it's tough, but I mean, Stanford is incredible. They played a heck of a game against us, played a heck of a game against South Carolina, played a heck of a game against Arizona, you know, so, you know, good for them. And, you know, going back to what you had mentioned about, you know, the different, just the excitement around the women's tournament, you know, it's just, it feels to me like there was going to be a spotlight either way this year, uh, just with everything that's been going on in, in our world with social injustice and fights for equality um, and equity everywhere. It felt to me like this was going to be a spotlight you know, the spotlight moment for, you know, college basketball for women's basketball. And I, I was just so thrilled with the level of play, you know, there was, yeah, there were some upsets early on, but then like the games were just like so well played. All the coaches did such a great job of scouting. Like we watched so many games and, you know, like we're watching uh, North Carolina state and Indiana and, and, and their sweet 16 game and just like, just watching each team play and, and, and the way that they play and um, being ready on such short notice to just be your best. Um, and so that's kind of like, you know, we watched we're pulling for every ACC team, you know, and we watched almost all the games, you know, as long as we weren't, you know, in practice or something. And, and then we're watching, you know, everybody else play and it just the, the level of play was so incredible. And, you know, you look at, I think, you know, a couple you got some of the games of the tournament in the Elite Eight in the Sweet 16. Maryland and Texas was a, a tremendous game. Um, a tremendous game for for Baylor and Yukon. And um, you know, we had we had a great game with Northwestern. You know, I think that was probably the that was one of the games where everybody was kind of sitting there, not sure what, you know, after the first quarter, we're down 18 at one point in the first quarter. I think everybody was kind of like, uh oh. Uh, what's going to happen here. And, you know, that's, I'm so glad we pulled it out, but it was good. You know, it's good to have excited games. And so, um, you know, and I, we watched men's games too. And I think the men, they had a great tournament. I think one of the hard things I was talking to a friend of mine about this, you know, recently, who's not a coach. And we were talking about the, the, the men's and the women's tournament. And he said, I just never knew who was playing because of COVID, you know, so many games were canceled and all that kind of stuff. So, it was hard to follow. I think for a lot of people, like you look at Canisius, like they had like what, eight games played yeah, by the time. They play like you anything I mean? like, this year, man. Right. So, so that was one of the things I think a lot of people, like if the level play really isn't the same, if it's not really there, it, you, you know, and, and again, like you said, you're missing some of the, some of the, the blue bloods in college basketball. You know, you look at Kansas kind of loses early and, some of those other teams it's it's hard to you know i think like everybody loves when underdogs win but everybody loves when you know teams you see all the time win too so you know baseball is better when the yankees and the red sox are good you know what i mean and for better for worse when the patriots are good football is probably a little bit better the cowboys whatever so i think that there's some give and take to that and i think the women's tournament had that you know i think you know I we had a great tournament and um the players were great. The coaches were great. It was so exciting to watch for me. Um, not to say that the men's tournament wasn't, but you know, when, when you look at the final four and a national championship game with, with three really exciting games and three, you know, in, in each night that they played and, you know, on the men's side, incredible game with UCLA, Gonzaga and, and everything. Um, and congrats to Baylor. I mean, what a, what a year they had too. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a different brand. Um, and I, I think this is a really successful March.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to kind of turn this a little bit because I've been talking about this, I think the past two or three episodes, you know, I think that too often women's sports in general are overlooked, whether that's at the professional level at the, college level. I was lucky enough to have two of my coworkers on who have been working in the sport industry for a long time, kind of give their opinions on what's been going right and wrong. Um, shout out Alyssa and Emily for coming on once again. Um, but you know, when I got into college, I want to say that's when I really started to appreciate the women's side more. Cause I started working college events for women's basketball, got to know the coaches there. JC Brooks is a great coach at Cortland when I was there. Um, you know, she did a great job as a program. I just felt so intrigued by their games, even though it was at division three level. And I think too often now at times I have some friends, I'm not going to name them. I won't call them out like that, but they'll text me and be like, I tried watching, you know, college basketball for the women's day. And I watched three minutes and I turned it off. I'm like, well, that's the problem. You don't watch more than a full game. And then, you know, the game that they ended up texting me about was the end of the game. I want to say it was the Arizona Yukon game ends up being 69, 59. And Arizona upsets them. It's like if you actually take the time to watch it, you'll see that the girls, even though maybe it's not as flashy or maybe it's not as high scoring, it's still a great quality. And I want to get your opinion on one of the most controversial topics that's been happening in the NCAA over the last month or so. Obviously, the players leaked some photos um, of the weight rooms and the food. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know Friends
0: ins- posting it on posting it on her TikTok yeah. to a million people. Yeah. Um
1: you know, <laughs> the food and containers for the women, the lack of a weight room, you know, just a few mats and a couple weight benches, you know, compared to the men getting these catering. Um, I saw the images of like the swag bags that the women got of, you know, a couple towels, a couple shirts, whatever. Meanwhile, the guys are getting 20 shirts and 20 towels and socks and hats and all this other stuff. And you could say what you want and, you know, it's just the nature of the business that the men are going to generate more revenue more times than not than the women at the professional or college level, which, you know, maybe that's never going to change. Hopefully someday it gets more even, but I still don't think that means that you have to treat the athletes like in such a different way, especially at the NCAA level when they've been preaching for so long. It's about the student and they're student athletes and they're all supposed to be viewed as equals and. On the men and women's side. So I kind of want to just get your opinion when that whole thing happened and maybe even some of the players that you might have had the chance to talk to, their opinions on it. Um just what you think of the whole situation. Yeah, I mean,
0: I think I think that I, I don't know if you saw, but uh coach Oriema had a was he did an interview probably when he got to the bubble. Um, because I know he he was sick, uh he had COVID, but one of the things that he said was like, it's not about the weight room. It's not about the swag bag. It's not about the food. It's not, like, like those are symbolic is what he said. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said like, this has been happening for a long time for women's basketball. And, you know, it's, and I, I think, you know, I, there's so many coaches came out with their own statements um, about, you know, whether or not women's basketball is an afterthought or, you know, I think, some of the coaches had, you know, more, you know, some responses in the sense that, you know, acknowledging that this has to change, um, and you know, it's like it, it's it's tough to see because it it, I guess it, like for me like, like I don't know, you know, who's that is so far above my pay grade. It's way over my head. Like, I I just wonder if you know somebody just didn't think you know i mean like think to ask like oh like how do we make a weight room work for the for the women's tournament or how can we find time for them to be outside should we give them more you know like whatever it is um like i guess that's what i wonder if that's kind of if it's like being mindful about that um i'll be honestly i you know, I think when I was in college at Canisius, I spent a lot of time trying to encourage people to go to women's lacrosse games and volleyball and women's basketball. And they're just, they're like.
1: I can vouch I, for that, like, by the way. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I think people just don't spend enough time getting invested. Like the reason why you watch Duke, Kentucky, whatever, like North Carolina kansas the reason why you watch those games is because you're invested um because if it were if it really were about the product on the court then you would equally be invested in the canisius fairfield game the year that canisius went 5 and 25 my freshman year like if it was really about the product on the court like when people when i hear people say like oh like when it's just not as our team. like it's it's not that it's just you're not invested in it. you like you Cause I think that that's like, that's an easy way to just say like, and, and it's also just like wildly disrespectful. And, you know, I was, I was so fortunate to be around so many talented individuals. Um, you know, I just hope that people can get invested and people choose to get invested. And I think that's a, a good point that you made. Um, Cause that, like, to me, like it's not entertaining. It's like some people like the fish. I don't like the fish but is fishing entertaining to some people. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing. Like you, you can't tell me it's not that it's not entertaining. Cause that's just frankly not true. Um, but I mean, they're the ones missing out, man. I mean, we had, it was a great tournament. It, there was so many, and you know, I, I think there's plenty of, there's Caitlin Clark and Paige Beckers that would love to tell you that, that women's basketball is flashy. You know, they, they, you watch them play you watch I mean not just them too you watch some of the the plays that Harry McDonald made for Arizona going down the stretch in the tournament like it's not about entertainment because if it were about entertainment you'd equally watch the the you know the first round of the men's NIT so um so yeah so I I I just don't you just gotta kind of there's always going to be haters I suppose um
1: well, so, you're, there but, first, you're there firsthand too, Joe. So it's like, it sucks for like you guys more because you see the work, how hard they work to, you know, be great. And it's like, you just want, like from a fan perspective, it's like, you want, like, I want someone to feel the way I do about just watching, loving both women and men college basketball. And I had the conversation with my friend the other day and I wasn't even really thinking about it until he brought it up. Um, I actually think it was my co-host when I record for NBA, Um, my cousin Zach that told me about it. It's like, you have this COVID year where you, the scheduling's all over the place and yet the NCAA doesn't take the advantage of like scheduling the women and the men like different days to like give the women the best, like marketing you can, like they're still scheduling like games on the same day. Like it just makes no sense. And I think it's it's just how the NCAA is. I mean, it's how they always have. And I think they kind of just, I mean, they've been showing their true colors, but I think it kind of got, you know, centralized to everyone and I think like you said I think it just sucks for everyone that's missing out but I think at the end of the day it's it's their loss more than anything
0: yeah I mean and you know we still want to grow the game like I think that there are so many great ambassadors of women's basketball and like I'm doing my part every day to you know encourage people to watch but you know I it's a hard I don't even I can't even imagine what it's like to figure out the scheduling and everything for you for both tournaments being at the same time. Uh, but, you know, I think that there's, you know, a level to which, like, if you are going to choose to just say like women's sports aren't fun or not entertaining, like it's, it's such a, it's really just like kind of a cold take because, you know, the whole country rallied around the women's national team in 2011 when they went to the, um, the world cup final loss and penalty kicks i mean for weeks i mean everybody was talking about it i mean you can't tell me that it's that women's sports aren't entertaining you just have to be invested and i think that you know um you know we're getting there we're definitely getting there. viewership was up peaked at like 5.3 million i think i saw like you know, it's uh, it's going to be great for women's basketball. The future is here and it is female. It's going to be great for women's basketball, you know, uh, everywhere. I think that, you know, you have so many. It's such a popular sport right now with the, at the AAU circuit with the the college level. And then, at, you know, the WNBA is, is serious. I mean, the WNBA was the first sporting event, I believe, after COVID. Like, they're, they're, they were the first bubble to get going. So, you know, like, the 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 value is there. It's great. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for the WNBA season. I think it's going to be a great year. You know, excited for, you know, players that we, you know, that we saw live in, in March this year, you know, get drafted and stuff like that.
1: And let's perfect segue again into a player that's definitely going to be getting drafted very shortly that you had the chance to watch up close and in person and that is dana evans from louisville just incredible year i mean i want to say she's up to seven nominations now for awards i mean all-american finalists wade trophy finalist player of the year finalist um wbca usb wa first team all-american all tournament team in the alamo region like it just doesn't stop with her i mean she's one of the most entertaining players in the country. I think personally, she should be a top five, if not top eight pick in the draft this year. Um, I know she just declared for the draft the other day and she is an open invite to come on this podcast anytime. (laughs) Um, but, uh, what are your thoughts on just, you know, getting to watch her up close and personal and just how you think she's going to translate to the next level? Yeah. I mean,
0: I think she's just, she has the potential to be really, really, really good. Um, you know, one of the things that I think I was just like most impressed with was her like explosiveness um, and her speed. And, you know, you could, you see like some of the wraparound passes, like just like reminiscent of like some of those late nineties, two thousands point guards and in on the men's side, some of the, you know, kind of originals in the WNBA. Like she just has such a unique ability with the ball because of her explosiveness and her speed. So, um, and when she's on, man, she is something else to watch. Like I was so for I'd be like, watch her in practice. <laughs> oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where you, 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 realize that you're just watching somebody with, with such a gift for, for basketball, which was so cool. Um, you know, and it's, you know, at the next level, um, it'd be interesting. I, you know, I'm assuming, you know, she's projected in some of those mock drafts you know, wherever for somewhere in the first round. Um, but yeah, she, you know, she works really, really, really hard. I think that's, that's one of the biggest things, you know, they, they being the staff talk about how, you know, she kind of came in as not a great three point shooter, not, not very reliable. And I think it was her sophomore year, central Michigan went trying and two on her and they just let her shoot. And she didn't make very many of them. So she came back in the gym afterwards and was like, that's never happening again. And so it didn't, you know I mean? Like she's just, she really has an incredible sense of, you know, if you you can tell me that I'm not good at something, I'm going to be better at it. Um, So, you know, great. I was so fortunate to be around her this season and, you know, she's a great person. And I think that she's got, you know, great potential at the next level. And it'd be fun to watch her, you know, play playing hopefully this summer. And, you know, uh, depending on how the, you know, assuming that we don't have to worry about, you know, not having fans in the stands, like who knows, you know, maybe you get, you, you get to go to a game and, and watch her play. So, um, you know, those are, those are great things about being on, on, at a program like that, you know, so many great players in the program that allow you to learn, um, you know, you're, you're around high caliber basketball players day in and day out. Like it's just, you uh, you know, it makes you realize like in this business, like how how fortunate you are um to be around players that care so much um about you know getting better. Um, you know, in Cornell, we had kids that worked so damn hard. You know, that was something that, you know, was incredible. And then you go back to the days at St. Francis where I you kill know, like Jess Kovac, she practically had to drag her out of the gym. She put up, you know, two thousand threes a day or something ridiculous because she just wanted to be in there all day, you know, getting shots up. So um You know, it's exciting and, you know, I'm grateful. I'm excited for the draft, too. Like, it'll be fun. And this is the first time that um, a player that I've worked with will um, get an opportunity to be drafted. So, um, it's exciting for her and for Will and for the Cardinal community. I think everybody's very excited for Dana. And she's, you know, she's had a terrific career, too. I mean, back-to-back ACC Player of the Year, like (laughs) – she just got. Kind of, she's just bred a little differently. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, she, I, I think I have like a favorite play that she made um, when we, when we were playing Syracuse at home in January, it was our first game after being moved up to number one and she's coming down the lane and she's jumping in the air. And as she's jumping in the air, like the defense has collapsed and there's three, maybe four people on her. And at the last second, she just kind of flicks the ball to the right, in the middle of the key. She's in the paint, flicks the ball to the right, and tosses it to the corner to Haley Van and HVL knocks down three. And I remember watching it live and being like, "Oh, that was sweet." And then you go back and you watch the highlight, and I couldn't believe, like, at the last second, she just kind of flicks it, and it was, it was just such a unique play, just the awareness. Like, <laughs> I, was sitting there, I was like, you just kind of laugh. You're just like, "Wow, this is pretty impressive." So, um, yeah. But
1: yeah, I'm excited to see where she gets picked in draft. I mean, there's been a few times I turn tune into your guys games and it's like the first quarter and she has more points herself than the other <laughs> team it had scored yet. Like she would just be in sure. such a groove um, before we get a little bit of Bill's talk and some questions, you know, I just want to get, you know, what's, what's your future looking like for the next year or so? Like, what's your, what are you doing right now? Are you preparing to go back to Louisville? Do you have another, you know, journey in sight? Like, what, what are you up to, Joe? <laughs>
0: Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how things go. Um, I'm enjoying the time off right now, um, but uh, you know, could be moving on. Uh, not really. It's kind of up in the air right now um, just with, you know, it being another unpaid position. So we just kind of, you got to feel it out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, just going to enjoy this vacation, which is, I mean, not necessarily, I mean, I got to come home. I was like, because I, I wasn't able to come home at Christmas um, or Thanksgiving because I just literally just left. So, uh, you know, nice to be home and see my siblings and I'll head to DC for a week to see um, some friends and, you know, we'll see, we'll see where this basketball takes me. Um, where, so um, where do you, have you done a, a women's basketball mock draft for the WNBA yet?
1: I have not. I've I feel been, like you should at
0: this point. I know You're I've in. been,
1: I've been looking at, and i've been looking at mock drafts i saw dana the other day at number seven overall she's kind of been it's weird mock drafts are always insane i've been going through a ton with the bills right now i'm like locked in on the bills um yeah and just like you have players that are projected in like the first round and some mock drafts and then like they're like the last pick in the second round and others i'm like i don't even know like where to like and like the thing is like I watched like a good amount of like the women's games this year, but like I need to like go through and look at like the bottom half of like the first rounders and stuff and like familiarize myself. And that's another quick thing. I don't want to take too long, but ESPN needs to fix their stuff with women's basketball. Cause you can't click on players names like you can for the men. The rosters aren't on like the pages when you click on things, it's just super annoying. I really want them to fix it. I don't know if they ever will. They probably won't. They probably don't even listen to this. They probably don't care. But that's okay. You
0: know, <laughs> but this is gonna... what it's
1: all. But but this is what it comes down to, though, right? Like you can't have change if people aren't
0: talking about it. So that's I think that's the big thing with what happened this March and what you're you're talking about with with uh, with ESPN is it all comes down to people talking about it. And you know, if people are talking about it, then that's how you find ways to you know, get people involved and, um, and, and kind of incite change. Um, so I hope for your yeah. sake that you don't have to worry about this any-
1: I know. <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to, I'll get a, I'm just cause you brought that up. I'm going to get a, I think next week I'll get a WNBA mock draft out and I'm going to post it.
0: Yeah, do it. I'm going to get it done. I think I'm going to get it done. I, I think that that's uh, at this point you might as well. I mean, the other thing is too, like, a. I think, you know, it comes down to what teams really need, because there's there's a lot, a lot of guards. guards out there,
1: a lot of yeah, guards, a lot of
0: guards, which is why I think you know Charlie Collier is like what 6'5". Six, six, like she's for teams that need somebody that can stretch the floor and and play inside. Like that's that's kind of her. So
1: yeah, um, I like the girl from so, yeah. Tennessee, Davis, small forward. Oh
0: yeah, right, right. right. She's solid, uh, Renaya, right? Yeah, she's solid. Yeah. yeah.
1: I watched she, them play five. a couple of times I think she'll she, yeah, go top and, she, five.
0: and she's and, and I think that's the other thing too. That Tennessee team is they're good. Um, we, in the sec in general, like it's a great, that's a great conference. Um, you know, obviously the ACC has got a bunch of great teams, but the sec, you know, all year you're kind of, cause you know, I watched a bunch of games when, when we were prepping for Georgia and then South Carolina, um, you know you're you're watching enough games where you're like dang like the level of play here is awesome you know from top to bottom and you know ACC's got it too but um definitely I think you know Davis is gonna have hopefully have a great career for Tennessee uh for in the WNBA because she had she, a dynamic player at Tennessee
1: and then to kind of close today's show I want to kind of open it up to you a little bit more you know you're you're my guest on my show but I want you to ask some questions. I know we'd be running we don't talk about some bills. So I want you to throw out maybe some bills questions, just other general sport questions. Sure. Hit me with some stuff. Any questions well, you
0: got? We, I I really want to hear your perspective on what the Bills still need in order to be a Super Bowl contender next year.
1: All right. So cuz we're basically done signing free agents. Yep. So a draft it's a draft class. That now. lamp signing today, Brandon Bean, you're a wizard. Please stay here forever. Um, So, (laughs) honestly, Joe, they've done a really – he's done a really good job in free agency of where the Bills are going into the draft, where there's really not – like, the Bills don't need – like, there's not a glaring hole at any position. I mean, I think cornerbacks, one of your weaker spots, um, I'd say, you know, defensive end and defensive tackle is probably your next on defense. Offensively, I think tight end and running back are the obvious two where you're a little bit weaker. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think just based on the Super Bowl, you saw what Tampa was able to do to Patrick Mahomes, and that's rush the passer. And the Bills just yeah. didn't get that. And I think Starla Tule coming back is going to help because Ed Oliver was playing out of position. He's not a typical one-tech guy where Star Tule plays. But I also don't think that just Star coming back is going to be enough. Even if A.J. Epinesa develops nicely in year two, You know, Jerry Hughes, I still think, is better than people give him credit for. Mario Addison, I wasn't a huge fan of what he produced last year. Mm -hmm. You know, Vernon Butler, still question marks. So I think they're going to go defensive heavy in the draft just because, I mean, even that second corner spot, whether it's Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace, isn't really shored up. Offensively, I think the Bills are pretty much set, honestly, because you swap out Emmanuel Sanders for John Brown, I think that's an upgrade. I think Gabe Davis is going to continue to develop. I'm still really excited about Isaiah Hodgins. I think he offers a lot of dynamic playmaking ability. I'm hoping Zach Moss fully healthy is going to be better. I actually love the Matt Breida signing. I think he's one of the underappreciated. I think it's a perfect complementary back where he might even overtake a guy like Singletary. Um, Hopefully Dawson Knox gets better at not dropping the pass as much. I think he's the big question mark in the offense, but a good point on Joe Marino. He talks about unlocked on lockdown bills all the time. The bills don't typically run a lot of tight end sets, So that position being weak isn't a huge, you know, discrepancy as far as the team goes. But I just think if you can add that pass rushing ability, I think the Bills' defense is going to be a lot better because I know tight ends have eaten up our linebackers the past few years. Part of that's been Matt Milano being in and out with injuries. Admins was hurt for a while last year. A.J. Klein's not really a cover guy. But I think if you're able to get that pass rush, you're going to open up, you know – the ability of Milano and Edmonds more to not have to cover as long. And it was pointed out to me the other day with Star Latule being out, you know, Ed Oliver's getting double teamed and the guys are on the offensive line. We're getting to the second level and getting to Tremaine Edmonds. And that's why he wasn't as effective with star, maybe a draft pick coming in to kind of reassure that defensive line. Maybe Edmonds and Milano aren't going to be seeing as many offensive linemen. They're going to be able to make more plays. And these guys are only you know, 22, 23 years old, they're only really going to continue to grow and get better. I think yeah. defensively it's just securing that number two corner. That's a little bit shaky, but the big thing has to be getting pass rush. Cause if you want to beat the Patrick Mahomes of the world, continue to get to Lamar Jackson, like we did in the playoff game, you know, Carson Wentz. Now, I think with the Colts, they're going to be a scary team. I think Frank Wright's going to get him going. Um, You can never count out, you know, the Browns have been better. They have a great defense you know pittsburgh they're super well coached and you can never count out bill belichick so but i think yeah. overall it's just getting that pass rush and if they can do that i think the sky's the limit and i think the bills could be a super bowl team next year
0: yeah i think that right now too for the bills like it really comes down to being able to rush the quarterback cuz cb2 is not that much of a concern for anybody if your hand is in the quarterback's face you know um you know, putting some pressure on him. So I, I'm you there. I think it's gotta be pass rushing. I'm not worried about Dawson Knox. I think he's still undervalued um, because the bills, you know, like you said, they don't run a lot of tight end sets, but when they do go to him, like, it's not that he's not shorthanded, you know, not sure handed. So, you know, he had a couple of tough plays late in the season, but you know, he's still dynamic. I think he stretches the field and I think they've got a lot of opportunities here. What, um, so did have you looked into the the season yet? Like have you started to chalk it up? Because I know we all do it. Yeah. Are you waiting until the end of the draft until you you kind of sit there win, loss? Well, not loss, but win, 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 win. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, I was actually I was literally doing it yesterday after I was kind of going <laughs> through and it's sure. it's really weird too because it's really weird seeing that 17th game in because you can't be 500 anymore. So it's like you see sure. a record you're like 10 and 7 and you're like oh that looks really weird no um my so my gut instinct just going through the schedule before the draft looking at what we need my original thought on the season is 13 and 4 um i think the division right now for the bills i think i think they're going to go 5 and 1 in the division um i'm not sure who that loss is going to be against um, I think the Patriots are always going to be tough. I still don't think they're going to be good. the
0: dolphins then. Right.
1: Yeah. I don't think the Patriots are very good. I think they're getting overhyped. I know the bills have had cover, tr- uh, excuse me, trouble covering tight ends. But at the end of the day, I just don't think Cam Newton's in his prime anymore. I don't think he's going to be able to get them the football. And there's no receiver on the outside that I think scares Shredavious white in the slightest um, <laughs> and their defense. Yeah. Like, I'm not too worried about it anymore. It's like, we always used to be afraid of like, oh, who can beat Stephon Gilmore? It's like Stephon Diggs can beat Stephon Gilmore. We saw what Stephon Diggs of the Patriots the last time they played, he burnt, burnt right. them for three touchdowns and no one could touch him. Yeah. Um, the Jets, like I think Robert Sala is actually a pretty good coach and I've liked what they've actually done the offseason. I think Carl Lawson was a really good add for them. Um, I think yeah. Corey Davis was a nice signing and I think they got better overall. But I mean – I'm always one that I don't think, I think Sam Darnold is going to get away from. I think Sam Darnold's a really good quarterback. I think with Adam Gase there, he didn't have the proper development. And I think the Zach Wilson kid or Justin Fields, whoever they decide to go to, I think it's going to be Wilson from BYU. But, you know, I think he could be a good quarterback. I just think it's going to be a lot for him to try to come in and compete like right away. And like, I think Jets fans are thinking they're going to get this quarterback to come in and be a 10 and seven or 11 and 16 and be a wild card. Like I just don't foresee that happening. Um, I think Brian Flores is a really good coach. I think the loss probably would be the Dolphins. They're just very talented overall. Um, I'm still a little bit shaky on Tua, but, you know, I think if they grab a Jamar Chase or another great wide receiver with whoever they pick, um, I think they're going to be in good shape. But, you know, their defense
0: is really good too. That's that, that ends up being a really tough piece of all that.
1: Yeah. I'm excited because the bills play three times in Florida next year. So I'm going to go to the Jacksonville, Miami and Tampa games. So I'm excited for that. Um, (laughs) I think Tampa is going to be a tough out in Tampa. Um, Kansas city obviously is going to be a really tough game. And there's always that one weird game in the year where things just aren't clicking. I think a few years ago, you know, you think about the Browns game or the Eagles game where the bills just didn't have it going. And then you also have to take into account, you know, if COVID continues, if we're going to have cancellations or have stuff like we had that weird Tuesday night game against the Titans and things of that nature where, you know, I don't really. I didn't think too much into that game or the you know Monday night game even against the Chiefs because of the planning and game prep and all that changes so um, dramatically. But yeah, my original gut feeling is thirteen and four. I think anything less than like eleven or twelve wins for the Bills would be pretty disappointing to be honest, just based on where they were at last year. And really, they didn't lose that much in the offseason. I mean, you lose John Brown, right. but you replace him with Sanders. Um, You lose Quentin Jefferson, but A.J. Epines is going to be in year two. You hope he can fulfill because Jefferson didn't do too much. Sam Murphy. Mil- yeah, Milano's back. Milano, I've always been a huge fan of Milano. I think he's going to be fully healthy yeah. all year. Um, and, you know, Hyde and Poyer are both going to be back, best safety tandem in the NFL. So I'm not worried about it. Josh is going to have a full year with Stephon Diggs. I mean, they didn't even have a training camp or anything and look at what they did. So. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. Cole Beasley is the best slot receiver in the NFL, so I'm not worried at all.
0: It's crazy to talk about the Bills like that. You know what I mean? Like, we're that kind of like, like, yeah, we're that good.
1: And it's not even, um, like, outlandish. Like, it's not, like, trying to be me being no. cocky and, like, I like the Bills and, like, it's just a, you know, Buffalo-centric sure. podcast. But, like, I can say that and, like, people around the league aren't going to, like, scoff at me and be like, oh, like, it's not like it's the 2008 Bills or something. Like, no, like, Stephon Diggs led the NFL in receiving, like, Cole Beasley played the last like six games on a broken tibia and was still a beast. Like yeah, Josh right. Allen just finished. Josh Allen just finished second and MVP candidate. Like the Bills are for real, and like that's a great thing to say because I don't even don't no. even get me started yeah, with I mean, the Sabers because uh, uh, <laughs> Let, I just don't. Oh
0: man, let's not let's not talk about the Sabers because holy cow, that is that seems not so good. I I, I just like don't even. I'm like, what, what, how do you pull out of that? So yeah. Hope, hopefully they figure that out. Um, But yeah, man, I'm excited for this bill season. I'm excited for this women's basketball season. It's going to be a great year.
1: Yes, so. sir. Well, Joe, I appreciate you coming back on once again, talking some women's basketball, wish you nothing but the best for your future. You know, we'll get you back on again, I'm sure in the future, once again, and, you know, hopefully maybe, Dane Evans, when she gets picked, maybe I'll be fortunate enough to get her on the pod.
0: Yeah, my A, my, hey, worth a shot, right?
1: Hey, you know, I sent hundreds of – LeBron James, I've sent you a DM before. I'm just waiting for you to respond, man. You know, <laughs> the, they'll vent – one day, one day one of them will respond. I know it. It it's, it's, it's takes some time. <laughs> take takes some time. But, you know, I appreciate the go. time, Joe. But, as always, you know, go cards, go griffs, as always. Always go, Grips. Always, always. And then Bills Mafia till the end, but appreciate you coming on. These guys are good. Scary good. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon
0: like the Buffalo Bills.